You just heard a song by the Tolliver girls from Oklahoma singing Marvelous Grace. Today on the broadcast, our text is taken from Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And we're preaching on Pentecostal power. In my text, Jesus is giving parting instructions to his disciples concerning their reception of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The promise of the Father that's mentioned in this text refers to the baptism with the Holy Ghost. Luke, who wrote this book, also wrote the book of Acts. And he records Jesus using this phrase in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. And being assembled together with them, that is the disciples, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. And in the next verse, Jesus identified the promise of the Father. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So here is the promise of the Father. Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. So Jesus gave them an expectation of receiving this special benefit. The baptism with the Holy Ghost. In a matter of days you will receive the baptism with the Holy Ghost. The fulfillment of this promise would take place on the first day of the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost was one of the most important Jewish festivals or holy days. And these festivals, these holy days of the Old Testament, uh, they set forth in type and shadow the purpose of God for the last days. The last days starting with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost or, or, or Jesus coming. And this first feast, the first feast of the Jewish holy days was Passover, in which the Jews celebrated their divine deliverance from Egyptian bondage. There was a lamb that was slain for each family at Passover, and that lamb provided a blood covering over the door. That covering was necessary to protect that family from the judgment of God. But that lamb also provided nourishment for that family in preparation for their escape from Egypt. It was provision, food for their bodies. And so the Feast of Passover represented our salvation from the bondage of sin by our faith in the blood sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And it also represented our partaking of Christ in daily fellowship and dependence upon him. The Feast of Unleavened Bread followed Passover and was connected to Passover and was often referred to as Passover. For seven days, the Jews had to cleanse their homes of any leaven, and this feast was typical of the sanctifying work that Christ does in us he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and purifies unto himself 
a peculiar people zealous of good works. But in the midst of this feast of unleavened bread was the feast of first fruits. And since the feast of unleavened bread ran for seven days, it always embraced a weekly Sabbath day. The feast of first fruits was to be celebrated on the day after the Sabbath. So it would always fell on a Sunday, the first day of the week. And in this day, the, the, the feast of first fruits, the Jews offered the beginning of the barley harvest as a sacrifice unto the Lord. It was called first fruits because it came from the front end of the barley harvest. It was a promise of abundance to follow, just the first fruits. It was a promise of abundance to follow and a thanksgiving ahead of time for the harvest. Y'all, I think, I think we need to learn something right here. That we need not only to give thanks after the blessing, but in preparation for the blessing, anticipation of the blessing. I'm telling you, I believe this is the kind of faith that God wants to put in us that we are not just thanking God after the blessing. We're thanking God ahead of the blessing for what God's going to do. And so this, this feast of first fruits was a, a promise of abundance to follow. It was a thanksgiving ahead of time for the harvest to come. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the first fruits of them that slept. He is the beginning of a resurrection harvest that is to follow. And because he said, because I live, you shall live also. And Passover, Passover set forth the crucifixion of Christ, but first fruits foreshadowed the resurrection of Christ. Beginning with that day of first fruits, the children of Israel were to number 50 days. And on the 50th day, they were to begin to celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. And actually the word Pentecost is not in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the feast was called the Feast of Weeks. It was a celebration of the beginning of the wheat harvest. And it involved the offering of two loaves of bread. One representing the Jew the other representing the Gentile. And it was on this day, the day of Pentecost, exactly 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, that Jesus poured out the Holy Ghost on his followers in Acts chapter 2. The scriptures pinpoint the time and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. You remember Joel had prophesied that the outpouring of the Holy Ghost would be not for the Jew only, but for the Gentile as well? That it shall come to pass, saith God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, two loaves of bread, Jew and Gentile. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's remarkable how accurately the Jewish holy days expressed ahead of time the remarkable events of our redemption. Right. On the day of Pentecost, there was a harvest that began when 3,000 souls right. surrendered to Christ on that day. 
And that harvest is continuing 2,000 years later. We're still in the harvest time. Praise God. Hallelujah. It shall come to pass. Joel said that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Jesus was referring to the events in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, when he told his disciples in my text, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. That day would be forever celebrated as the beginning of the New Testament church. And I want to bring to your attention the following points. First of all, the church sent. We are to go. And then the church suspended, tarry. And then the church supplied until you be endued with power from on high. First of all, the church is sent. Before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he gave his final instructions to his disciples that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. The, the watchword for the disciples was go. You go into all the world. You preach repentance and remission of sins in the name of Jesus. Jesus did not intend for missionaries to be a specialty task in the church society. He intended for the whole church to be a missionary society. When Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, he said to them in John chapter 20 and verse 21, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. You understand that Jesus came into this world as a missionary sent by his Father. And his mission cost him his life. But out of that sacrifice on the cross, Jesus fashioned a missionary society sent by him into the whole world. And each one of us are part of that missionary society. Jesus illustrated his missionary enterprise in his series of parables in Matthew chapter 13. He told the parable of the sower who went forth to sow seed. And that seed is the word of God. The ground is the hearts of men. There are four types of soil in that parable. There's the hard packed soil. There's the rocky soil. There's the weedy soil. And there's the good soil. And the seed was able only to produce fruit in the good soil. The good soil produced fruit some in some 30-fold, in some 60-fold, in some 100-fold. But the point of the parable is that the evidence of receiving the word of God and believing it is the willingness to sow the word of God. So it's like Paul echoing David and saying, I believed, therefore have I spoken. In other words, we do not really believe what we are not willing to propagate. And so those, the evidence of having received and believed the word of God is being willing to propagate the word of God, producing fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. 
In his next parable, Jesus spoke of the man who sowed good seed in his field. And after dark, the enemy come and sowed tares among the wheat. Jesus identified that field as being the world. And the man that sowed the good seed is Jesus. The enemy is the devil that sows the tares. And the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The tares are the children of Satan. Jesus sows the good seed. He distributes his people throughout the world to produce kingdom fruit, to bring forth some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, to add souls to the kingdom of God. But the devil also sows in that field, distributing his people in strategic places, posing as children of the kingdom to hinder the progress of the kingdom. The connection between these two parables is this. The peoples whose hearts are receptive to the word of God. They become the seed that Jesus scatters throughout the field of this world. They become sowers of the seed they have believed and received. And they produce fruit for the kingdom of God. This is Pastor Bill Prescott. Thank you for listening to the Marksville Church of Truth broadcast. Our church is located at 1376 Joseph Martin Highway in the Rich Acres community just south of Martinsville, Virginia. Our Sunday school is at 10 o'clock. Our Sunday worship services are at 11 and 6.30. Our Wednesday evening service is at 7.30. You can find more information about us on our website at www.mcotva.com. That's www.mcotva.com. You may also listen live to our services by clicking on live broadcast on our website. Until next broadcast, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.